Dude, Scott, um, so what's the highlight of your last couple weeks? Yeah, right. I don't know if I have a See. highlight. Dude, come on. You've got a highlight. I, I still got this, you like, can, you can Dude, you got engaged since the last time you were around here. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Oh, yeah, dude. He did get engaged. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that's, pro- that's probably the highlight. Hopefully your fiancé sure. doesn't listen to this. What up, party people? Scott's back from his train camp hiatus, and since he's based out of Girona now, the only time he could record was in the middle of the day. So I lobbed it out there to all the other fellows to see if anyone else could make it work, and then all of a sudden, before we knew it, we had five of us in the studio and things were getting weird quick. We talked Euro racing, Scott's engagement, and knocked out a ton of listener questions, which means we are slowly chipping away at the massive queue we have backlogged. So let us know, is five guys too much to handle or did y'all still dig? Send show feedback and questions to bonkrospodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram. Thanks again to our loyal Patreon supporters, helping us keep it real while keeping us out of the ramen aisle. All right, let's get this bonkros party started. What's up, man? How's training been going? Um, yeah, it's pretty good. I, I would say like I'm maybe two weeks into actual training. Dude, so we've been texting a little bit and you're doing... You're, it seems like your race season is starting so early. You're doing so you're doing BWR Arizona, right? And you're yep. going to do this yep. uh, rock cobbler race in California. Oh, I mean, I, it was on my radar. Um, I would definitely go if you were going to go. Like if if like that'd be kind of fun. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm like, I don't know. I'm fifty fifty about it. Still, it's only like three yeah. weeks from now, so I kind of need to decide pretty quick. But um, that would just be to like get some early season miles and i'd probably go out and do like four or five days out there just to get some actual training in and kind of just use it as like a training day sure okay yeah i was i mean that looks like a that looks like a super fun race but it's like mid-february i just yeah I, it's definitely early whoa dude i thought know, tyler was on and now drew's here <laughs> we know what happened last year dylan yeah oh yeah no dylan I already, made a, dylan already said he's not going i made a video too, about too it early I'm I'm saying I'm putting my foot down this year. I'm saying no. Yeah, you can yeah. say no. You can't say no to me, but you can say no to other people. What do you mean I can't <laughs> say no to you? When I tell you to do something, you better do it. <laughs> you coaching you, Dylan this year or what? I no, should be. Dude. I am. He just doesn't know it. <laughs> uh, are you are you a Dylan Johnson influencer? Yep, I influence the influencer. <laughs> influence the influencer. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, um, Dylan. I was going to ask you. Are you? Are, is your hardtail still built up with draw bars? Yeah, and I haven't. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't taken it on an actual ride other than just like around the block since uh, Big Sugar. I, I mean, I haven't ridden drop bars since Big Sugar either. Yeah. Um, Why? Can I potentially use it for a week in June? Uh, what's in June? Um, so I got. I got accepted into the migration gravel race in Africa. Oh, wow. What? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do it yet because it's, it'd be like, it'd take up like a third of my, my race budget. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't know if it's, if it's worth it yet, but, um, I think the drop bar mountain bike would be like the perfect bike. Yeah. Um, I'll let you know. The only reason I say that is because the BWR Asheville race is the weekend after um, Unbound. Unbound, both of which are in June. And the BWR Asheville race last year was the course had an insane amount of single track. And then the gravel that they included in the second half of the race is like mountain bike type gravel, in my, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. So so hear me out. Here's Here is my plan. I'm planning on coming to BWR Asheville too. So you can race oh. it there. And then I would just take it home with me. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that is a good plan. Because then, then I probably I probably wouldn't need it for a while. All right. Okay. I'll let you know. Is the you gravel doing? is the gravel in Africa gnarly? Yeah. It looks like it at least. And like you're in mm-hmm. the middle of like the desert. So there's like yeah, I mean Bro, you climb Mount Kilimanjaro. No, you don't. Hey, they they <laughs> have it on the they have it on yeah, the map. You you race around it. You see, are you looking at a map of Africa, Drew, or are you like looking at the race map? (laughs) Race map. Okay. Okay. This website is, this website is rad. So how, how long is it? I don't, I don't know what 650 K, what is that? Like 500 miles? Yeah. Call it 500 miles or something like that. 
450 miles. Over how many days? Or is it four just days? Like four days. Right here, or is mm. it five days? Four. Four days, yeah. Dang. Um, yeah, it looks yeah. super sick. Uh, Lachlan did it last year. He didn't, mm. he didn't win the he race, did. and I think the reason he didn't win is because he got too many flats. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah that sounds like it's... That sounds like it's right up uh, Lachlan's alley for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like a mountain bike course. A uh, drop bar mountain bike gravel course. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Um, dude, Scott, yeah, cool. are you on? Or are you, you just yeah. listening in today? Can you hear me? Scott, Sick. where where you been, man? How's Europe? Uh, like, where have I been, like, just now? Well, you haven't been on the podcast for two weeks. Oh, Oh yeah, I've been I've been around. It's good. Cool. We signed you. We, <laughs> are you getting out of the bath? Are you podcasting from the bathroom right now? Me? Yeah, I just heard a toilet flush in the background. No, oh. that was my girlfriend. <laughs> Man. Okay. We're recording. A, we're recording a podcast. Yeah. So, are there five of you on the podcast right now? Yeah. Great. Everybody, let us know in the DMs or the comments or whatever on this podcast. Is, this is Bonk Bros. Yeah. All right. How many people is too much people on a podcast? Because I think that five is way too much. Well, in that we'll case, I we're going to find out. Number. I can we're leave six right two? now. So two. Yeah, yeah not six. It was five. Oh, yeah. Now it's six. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, at this Scott point, will, Scott I think will. five point, and, and, a, and a cat. That's that's yeah, way too six many. and a cat. <laughs> I can go get my kid if you want. <laughs> No, no. I think I think I think there definitely is a point at which it's too many people on a podcast. I don't know. I don't know how many people. We'll just see how it goes. I was only I was only planning on being on for like fifteen minutes. So fifteen minutes. Well, then all right. Well, Drew, can you go first? Because because we want we want zero updates from Scott and Drew. I'll go first because then I yeah I want to go do other things besides podcast. All right. So for those who don't know. Drew's been racing cyclocross in Europe for the past month, and he's been he's been dodging this podcast because he doesn't want to talk about it. Yep, <laughs> that's not the only reason I was dodging the podcast, and I wasn't dodging the podcast. It just didn't work out with my schedule. Okay, well here you are. So yeah. we we wanna we wanna know what it's like to be the scrum in uh, I'm like in the, a European like, World Cup cyclocross. Like I wasn't even in the. If, he, I would, if you want to know what it's like to be the scrub, then you have me on the podcast. At least Dillman's like in the race for a portion. Yeah. No, no. I mean, like the, what I would consider the scrum in a crit race is like the fight behind the leaders. Mm-hmm. And I was behind. I was behind that. Like, so what is so that I'm, called? That's like the caboose. I was the caboose. <laughs> okay. You got the leaders, the MVDPs, and the and the WVAs, the Wild Van Arts. Up at the front, and right. then you got all the the scrum, the Ellie Isabert's, the Lars Vanderhaars, all You're those telling, guys. Saying Ellie, did you just call Ellie Isabert a scrum? <laughs> He's like three minutes behind those guys. Yeah, well, you can. Dude, would you would you say three minutes? Defini- behind, would you say that the three minutes behind the leaders is a part of the leaders? No, he's like fighting for that second group. I think we and need to you define got, what scrum is. Man. And then you got maybe the double scrums, and then you got the caboose. And I'm like the caboose, like not even. Not even like relevant. <laughs> the double scrum. <laughs> I think in one of the races I got pulled with four laps to go. I only did half the race. There were eight Dang. laps. I raced four half. and they did eight. I think that was at Cockside, which is like my worst race I had. But yeah. Yeah. And that was pretty much like I was hoping to go and I knew that the goal was to try to finish on the lead lap. But I thought that like maybe I would do it a couple times. Like, oh yeah, I finished on the lead lap. Like very quickly realized, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> like very quickly, uh, and so it got to the point where CJ was actually yelling in the last like three or four races. She'd start yelling one to go when she could tell I was going to get pulled, and then I'd race like <laughs> that was my last lap, <laughs> even though it was like three to Mark. go. I'm like, uh. <laughs> and she was pretty spot wow. on. I think every time she told me one to go, it was one to go for me. And then I got pulled the next lap. Yeah. Okay. What's the closest you got to the lead lap? Um, like, did you, maybe, did you get maybe, pulled with like one going into one to go? Um. Yeah, I think at Lowenhout, I was like one or two. Like, like Caleb finished on the lead lap. Caleb Schwartz and I only finished two spots behind him. So I think mm-hmm. I was like the second one to get pulled. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, I did. It was okay at Zonhoven. Um, like the result I got at Zonhoven was pretty good. And then it was like, you know, you don't like look at another person's like result and you know, like it's kind of, I don't like comparing yourself to the other Americans isn't exactly like a good, good measuring stick, but the lap after I got pulled at Zonhoven, Curtis White got pulled. So that made me feel a little bit better. Mm. And at that race, um, Scott Funston was the only American to finish on the lead lap. And I think he finished like he was the last one to finish on the lead lap. <laughs> and so I felt like a little bit better about that one. Nice. Drew, I'm going to pump you up right now. I don't think you should feel bad at all. At all. I like, don't feel like bad. I just like, uh, I don't know. Like the, the expectations are different. Like you go to a race in the U.S. and you're like, maybe I can get podium. You go there and you're like, dang, I'm not even feeling like that. It's just well, like you have to really wrap your ra- your head around that before you go, I think. For sure. Like your expectation. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I went four seasons and my expectation was to finish on that. My, no, no, my like stretch goal was to finish on the lead lap. And I only came close to that like one time. So like for you to, for you to at least be in the mix is a whole different story. Um, I don't think you, I mean, obviously it sucks to come short of your expectations, but the same time, like the racing is so hard over there. Like everybody's fighting you for every wheel. Every Even if you're spot. DFL, like every yes. <laughs> the guys at the back are just chopping the shit out of you. So, yeah, I think you should be Scott, proud, what, Drew. Scott. You think you could have finished lead lap, man? Probably not. I bet he could have. No. He could have. He could have been a couple for sure. There were a couple courses that would have probably like suited him pretty well. I feel like Scott's like scrappy of an, enough of a racer that he just like would find yeah. himself far enough up that like. They wouldn't even see him. He'd like come through and like he should have gotten pulled, but they'd be like, "Oh, that dude totally looks like he's ripping right now." We gotta let him keep going. And I don't, I don't look like that. I look like I should get pulled. Is that what you're saying? I, <laughs> this guy, we got. I did not him. say that. <laughs> it's all about how fast you're moving when you go past the officials, right? Like you can't be chilling at Seriously. that. Totally, you got to be flying. Yeah, dude, but they they need to uh, like up their pulling game. Like on the World Cup yesterday, there was like three riders on the last lap that were in the way. Did they screw it <laughs> up? Because they made lead lap. That's that's all. That was their only goal. <laughs> they don't care about anything after that. Like the one guy yeah, like let it, him by, and then he was like following them for a good like minute. He was on. Yeah, like, man, you got to get that education. <laughs> <laughs> Would you not? I feel like How you I don't get pulled. By, <laughs> yeah, just hide right behind both of those guys. <laughs> I feel like in uh, I could be wrong about this because I'm only a peripheral motorsports fan, but I feel like in motorsports, they don't have any sort of like lap rule. Like you just come up on lap traffic and you got to deal with it. Like you got to pass the lap traffic uh, in Formula One. They give you the the blue flag and you're supposed to yield to the, the leaders as they come through. Mm. OK, makes sense. Yeah. I don't know about other motorsports, but yeah, mm. no. So I've learned from drive to survive. So <laughs> right. <laughs> Hey, they're supposed to be launching like the new, like that show, Drive to Survive, but like Tour de France edition. And me and CJ were like stipulating, like, what are they going to call it? Because Drive to Survive is cool. They've got another one called Breakpoint, which is like a, about tennis. And I was like, oh, they're, they can't call it Peloton because like the Peloton, that's already taken. And CJ said they would call it Man in Yellow. And I was like, that's exactly what they're going to call it. That is such a good title for a for a docu series or whatever man in yellow i was like dude that, that is it's a called, pretty good title if it's called man in yellow or something <laughs> along or something along How those many lines people would click on it thinking it's like a murder mystery type show <laughs> yeah man in, but it'd be bikes you'd, you'd see the bike on there i mean i don't know hey no, dude you gotta you gotta trick um, people into watching it didn't the uae team like refuse to be part of that i think multiple teams did yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that's kind of yeah. It's kind of crazy. I don't know why they would do that. I feel like it's when is that coming out? Such great marketing. I heard it's coming out like it's getting released right before this year's tour to get everybody pumped up for this mm. year's tour. That's what I heard, but I, I don't. I don't know like anything official. I mean, the Drive to Survive show has been incredible marketing for F one. So, oh yeah, you know, I I just I think that maybe maybe like uae doesn't even care about marketing like all they care about is results but it just seems dumb to not want to be part of that show you know what i mean yeah absolutely like you could you could that is such a selling point for sponsors 
You know what I mean? Um, what are yeah, you trying sure. to say, Dylan? Are you yeah, trying to say there, there's another there's... reason they they don't want to be on <laughs> public television? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I've. I. I mean, maybe they just don't want cameras in their business, but uh, I don't know. Why, would, I feel why, like... would, why wouldn't they want cameras? Are they are they hiding something? <laughs> you're you're the one who's suggesting that. I'm not suggesting that. <laughs> maybe they are. Sued. Maybe they aren't. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, do you want to give our listeners like favorite memory from racing in Europe this past week? I mean, this past month or whatever, you know, we, we went to Paris the week before and, uh, you'd think that I'd say Paris was awesome. Um, but, but really (laughs) Paris is just overcrowded. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's cool. Allie and I have been binge watching this show called Emily in Paris. You guys, they have it. Yeah, it's publicized all over Paris, ironically. It's on every double. Emily and It's pretty good, but I don't know if it's like, I don't know if they're using real footage of, of, uh, or like, you know, um, panoramas of of Paris, but Paris looks massive. It is. It's massive, but it's so expensive. Like, you can walk, uh, you can walk to a lot of the stuff. And they're, and they're like metro systems, like really good too. So, Mm. like, we didn't, we, we had a rental car, but we parked it. And didn't touch it the whole time we were in Paris. We just walked and took the bus, and we saw That's like cool. everything there was to see. But we didn't like like go into any of the museums. We just kind of like walked past all of them. Um, so we saw like the Notre Dame and the Pantheon and the the Arch de Triomphe and the Louvre, all that stuff. The uh, well, and the Eiffel Tower, of course. I wanted to go see the catacombs, which is like that seems like the coolest part of Paris. It's like a half mile underground tunnel of bones like literally that's what it is. and there's like a random toilet somewhere but it's like literally just walls of bones uh and there's all these warnings about like if you're gonna bring your kid make sure that they are are you know like ready for this like our kid wouldn't have known she probably would have laughed the whole time but there's all these like warnings about like this could really creep some people out but you have to have like tickets in advance and we didn't plan that far ahead and so we couldn't see the are you, whole, whole is it easy to ride a bike there and train? Cause obviously you were there to race. No, nah, I ran into like a local on like the first day I was there and he said there was one spot to go where there wasn't traffic. Um, uh, and besides that, it was terrible. Like traffic, you don't know which, which like half the time I didn't even know if I was like on the right side of the road or if I was in the bike lane or if it was on a one way, it was terrible. It's like the roads there, the traffic there was like insane. Uh, mm-hmm. That whole Arc de Triumph, the the roundabout that's around it, is like six lanes wide, but there's no markings on the road. So it's like everybody enters into the roundabout, and once you get into the roundabout, it's like mass chaos, and you're just like, ah, and everybody uses their <laughs> everybody uses their horns way more than they do here. So everybody's blaring their horns. Anyways, I fe- there was like a two mile loop around a hippodrome. Anybody know what a hippodrome is? No, like a large velodrome, pretty much? No. Wrong answer. Damn. Does anybody know the Greek word for hippos? Like a hippopotamus? Ooh, so, yes, that's good. All right, now we're going to agree. Really? Hippos, no, he's wrong about that, too. But hippopotamus <laughs> is two Greek words, hippos and patamas. We'll start with patamas. Does anybody know what the word patamas means in Greek? So I'll, give you, a not a, not I'll a give you a hint. It's not a podcast about Greek I'll give lessons. you a hint. Potomac River... Potomac River, it means river, river in Greek. So Potamos means half river, a river. 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 It means river. <laughs> hippos. Hippos. Do you guys know what hippos means? No. Just tell us. You already asked us. We said no. <laughs> horse. So a hippopotamus. Uh, wow, that came out. Is a river Greek. horse? <laughs> yes, exactly. Isn't that the coolest thing? So back to the original question. A hippodrome is a horse track. So like a uh, large velodrome. Yeah. Wait, but is it dirt? <laughs> but it's a horse track. No, no, no. It was like the, the there was a horse track, and then around the horse track was just a paved, closed, oh, okay. closed to traffic uh, bike loop or exercise wow. loop or whatever. That was where they had uh, Ostend, uh, world the world champs there in 2020. We're at a hippodrome as well. Fun fact. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Combining cyclocross and Greek horse racing. Oh, I mean Greek. <laughs> yeah. So what was your favorite memory then? Because you just yeah, took I said a dump that on Paris. <laughs> yeah. No, Paris was Paris was cool. We got a lot of cool pictures, so that was cool. Um, man, honestly, 
And I don't know if it was just because it was the last race, but Zonhoven was like epic. Like the weather was the best it had been the whole time. It was like warm and sunny. It was like the one time it wasn't raining. Um, and then that the whole venue is awesome. It's like there's this giant like like a meteor hit and there's this giant hole in the ground. And then there's all this sand that goes down into the hole. And so we ride our bike down into the hole and come back out of the hole two times. And there's people everywhere else where there's not the course. So like you go down and you'd think that they'd all like cheer when you crashed, but they all cheer when you like get up from crashing. So it was like, it was kind of like motivated, cool. And yeah, so that, that course was epic. The, the, the weather was awesome that day. I had like an okay ride, like on lap one, I was behind Curtis White, like on his wheel. And I'm like, well, this doesn't happen that often. So it was like, I felt pretty good about the way I was riding. Um, but just that, that even if you take away, if I felt good or not, that the course there was just like a lot of fun, very challenging, but fun. Sweet. Yeah. And CJ and the kid had a lot of fun that day too. Cause obviously the weather was a lot nicer. So like when I finished the kid was running around and I got some pictures holding her and CJ was all amped up because of how, like how awesome the crowd was and how loud the fans were and all that stuff. So like the atmosphere was just like super fun. Whereas that like Lowenhout, Lowenhout was like really cold, pouring rain the whole time. I was like 50, 50 on just getting in my car and leaving instead of getting on the trainer to warm up for the race you're covered in mud. You're trying to change in the back of a van covered in mud and you have to drive home an hour. CJ and the kids stayed in the car the entire time. They didn't even get out to go to the start line because it was like a mile to even get to the course. So they just stayed in the car the whole time. That's how bad it was. Um, so you got that and then you got the Zonhoven race, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's fun. All the races there. Yeah. Like Tyler said, it's like, you're fighting like tooth and nail for every spot. Like you make one little mistake there and you get passed by like five dudes because of how it's just like, everybody's so close in fitness and there's so many more riders that are fit that it makes for closing rate, like way, way closer racing. Like you make one mistake, five people pass you. If you feel really good, you, you know, yeah, you, you can go up a lot in positioning. Sure. So. Sweet. A lot of people were asking, and this is like a pretty typical question of like, why do you, why is the racing so much harder in Europe? And there's a lot of answers, but I think a very simple answer is that a lot of the U.S. cyclocross races have to be designed so that junior, like 12 and 13 year olds can race on the same course that the UCI men have, have to race on. So you have to create a course that is both acceptable for the least of riders and the best of riders. Um, whereas in Europe, every one of these races that I did, there's four races. You've got the elite juniors, uh, or maybe there's like four or five, but there's like basically elite juniors, uh, women's U23, men's U23, and then both of the elite races, like, or something along those lines. And why can't we just have like beginners ride the pro course? I mean, if they can't ride it, they can just run. That's what cyclocross is. Right. Exactly. I mean, in Europe, well, I mean, I guess it's you, we could do that, but I guess it wouldn't be very inviting. Whereas in Europe, the only people riding the course are the elites, like all the elites um, from junior elites to men elites. And so you can make a more challenging course because, you know, the riders can handle it. Like literally, there were probably parts of some of these courses where like juniors would have just died. Like, like they wouldn't have like they wouldn't have like been able to make it literally make it past like I'm thinking of the downhill at Golagem. It was like this like gnarly downhill, bunch of ruts. They had like a big inflatable barrier at the bottom for people to like oh, just crash into. Sorry, Gavir, Havra, whatever. Um, and yeah, yeah, you come like bombing down this thing and you're just in a rut and you're sending it. And like you watch the pros and the, and the even the pros are like crashing. Like there's a hilarious video of Andrew Strohmeyer, our U23 national champion, like somersaulting over the barrier into a, into a fan. And he's the national champion. Like kid knows how to ride his bike, but that downhill was just that gnarly. You throw like a 15 year old on that. And yeah, I just don't see it ending very well. Well, some of the courses like, uh, some of the courses throughout the season have like pro only lines, not much anymore. Yeah, um, yeah. They used to, and like nationals does, but I mean, yeah, I, I agree. Like I kind of wish that we would do more pro only lines or have mm-hmm. more like you can't do pro only because here be races because they're 
it's a such a participatory sport. Whereas in Europe, it's like any Olympic development or like AAU program, right? Like you have citywide teams and then regional teams. And if you're good in the region, then you get graduate to the state or something like that. So pretty much by the time one guy told it to me, like, if you haven't signed a pro contract by the time you're 18, like you don't just keep playing essentially. Like you might do some mm-hmm. B races, but you're not racing UCI races at all. So it's just sure. the level is much higher. And well, yeah, that's, to Drew's that's point, like, that's like how, you know, I don't know, football is here. Like if you haven't yeah. signed a pro contract by the time you're done with college, you're not going to continue playing football at a high <laughs> level. You might play like pickup football. Yeah, on the weekends this, or something, but the serious guy in flag football that takes it way <laughs> too serious. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be sweet. Like since so, he, or yeah, since he used to have a gnarly drop, but not yeah. anymore. So what you're saying is cyclocross over there is like, is the making it to the pro level in cyclocross there is like making it to the pro level in football here. Like there you, it's yeah, like absolutely. no in between. You're either, yeah, you're either a pro or you ride your bike for fun. For sure. Mm. Yeah. Whereas here we have disciplines like gravel, which is just everybody gets a medal. So (laughs) (laughs) exactly. We had to, yeah, you had to bring it in somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems like the lifetime series is trying to, they're trying to like raise the stakes some for gravel. I think that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that, like they're kind of doing the antithesis of gravel, right? They're making a very exclusionary series, but I actually, uh, I actually think that them making it exclusionary is what got so many pros to commit to it. I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I think that if they had just had it so that anyone could sign up for it and you could do any amount of races that you wanted, I think that they'd have the same issue that every other series runs into, which is that you don't get people to commit to the series. Hmm. Scott, does all of this European talk sound familiar to you? Or are you just uh, le- eating like little uh, Spanish bocadillos and stuff, chilling? I don't know. I'm just figuring out this, this place. <laughs> Dude, Scott's just sitting there in his like full full sponsor correct outfit. Yeah. He is out, dude. Look at this. <laughs> dude, that's yeah, all. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't bring any clothes because... I would end up bringing a bunch of clothes and then get a whole <laughs> load of clothes. And then I got to haul around all this crap everywhere I go. So I just brought like nothing. <laughs> here I am thinking, here so, I am thinking like human powered health probably like made Scott sign something that said, if you're going to be on a podcast, you have to wear our gear. And, and, and the reason is so much more Scott, Scott answered <laughs> or Scott like, Oh, actually I just didn't pack any other clothes. Like, Dude, when, like, back when, when, back when Scott was on a Volo, like back when Scott was on a Volo, their teams are like green and yellow. It's like the most awful combination. He would just wear these like yellow sweatpants constantly nonstop. Yeah. Free clothes, man. Yeah. Scott, what did you pack with you? Just like you just brought an empty suitcase and that was it. I brought one checked bag with me. Full of like random stuff, like a few, you know, underwear, <laughs> like the usual, a few items of clothes. Um, you, a pillow. Human powered health doesn't give you underwear. No, no underwear, oh. which is fine. It's just good. You it's a personal a pillow. Item. Wow. Yeah, you know why I pack a pillow? Because whenever what? you go anywhere, I'm gonna fill the suitcase all the way up, right? Like with shit. So then I get to my destination. If you're going from hotel to hotel. <laughs> And it's so hard to find anything in the bag because it's so packed full. But you put the pillow in there. It takes up a bunch of space so you don't bring as much stuff. And then you just take the pillow out and you have all this rummage room inside of your bag. Dang. Wow. Travel hack. (laughs) (laughs) Travel hack. A pillow takes up a lot of room, so... I don't even know what to say to that. I, I just imagine Scott traveling, like, come showing up with a bike bag, and he's got like a whole bedding set in there instead of like a bike. <laughs> just to, like, <laughs> that's pretty good, man. You're a genius. I, mean, I, think Scott. A, I think it's a good idea. It's like my it, own. Yeah, pillow, that's not like, pretty good. Nice. Scott, did you even have to bring a bike with you, or did did they have the team bikes there already? Uh, I brought my bike, like my home, my home bike. Yeah. Like, I don't have a bike in the U.S., okay. a bike in Europe, and then race bikes. I got a one training bike and then race bikes. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. So, so you have three bike. road bikes, a training bike, and two race bikes? I guess, yeah. 
Maybe a time trial bike. If I, That's do not, I guess that was a it was a yes or no question. <laughs> well, you know how like these teams, it's just kind of like there is a bunch of bikes, and it's like if you mm. need one, here's one. If you don't need one, give it to somebody else. Yeah, there's a shitload of bikes. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, Scott, um, so what's the highlight of your last couple weeks? All right, am I free to go? Yeah, you can. All right, see ya. I'll listen <laughs> see to in these three months. I'll listen to the second half later. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I don't know if I have a See highlight, you. dude. Come on, you've got a highlight. I, I still got this. You like, can, you can injury, take so. it, dude. You got engaged since the last time you were on here. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, dude. He did get engaged. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that's probably that's probably the highlight. Hopefully, your fiance sure. doesn't listen to this. <laughs> She's not. Wait, did listen. you get engaged in Europe? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it was at home. Okay. Okay. Sweet. Did you get a camo ring? No. No, I got her a, a normal ring. <laughs> the usual engagement Sick, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was that the was that the whole process? You just walked in and like, hey, I just need like a normal engagement ring. Just like <laughs> whatever you got. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. I, I the whole like concept of it is dumb. Like I have to pick out a ring for somebody else to wear for the rest of their life. Like what? I don't know what you want. Like what? I don't know how to pay, buy a ring. <laughs> just like a dumb concept. I think do you keep yeah. the, do you keep the receipt so you can exchange it or like she could, you come back to America yeah, and she's she got a different it, ring because you didn't it. pick out the right one. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. She likes good. Nice. She like gave me some pointers on which one to buy. So, uh, Wait, what? So you guys already knew that you were... It wasn't a secret. No. Like, you didn't catch her off guard, is what I'm saying. That's also dumb. What? Catching <laughs> catching your woman off guard with a proposal? If you're catching her off guard, you probably, like, I don't know. Do you really know her that well? Well, let's be honest. Like, your, like, your fiancé was definitely not caught off guard. Like, she's been waiting for this for a while. Yeah. And you're just like, yeah, whatever. I mean, you know, we're together. Like, what do we need a piece of paper from the government for? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's pretty much what it is. Cool. I can't wait to hear your vows, man. It's going to be, it's going to be epic. <laughs> do you, Scott? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Should we move on to listener questions? Uh, yeah, dude, we got... We still got a bunch of listener questions, so uh, hold on. I was not prepared. Uh, pull them up. Oh, we saw some from a long time ago. Scott, it's good that you're on because we're going to hopefully blow through a bunch of these listener questions now. We were trying to do one word answers last time, and uh, we couldn't help ourselves. We we still got way too into the weeds. Dude, look what happened to my uh, mic. Okay, so we already did that one. What did is it get that? damaged? It's all dented up. Dented? Should have packed. Yeah. Should have packed a bigger pillow. I know, yeah, dude. Pillow, you got to put it inside the pillow. <laughs> um, okay. Are any of you guys doing any technical mountain bike races or the Kabush series? Which I don't know what the Kabush series is. Does he mean the Stephen DeVos series? Maybe. Okay. What is that? Is, isn't it just called single track series? I don't know. I don't know if Kabush has a different series. Uh, but, you know, Stephen DeVos is trying to put on a series to i don't know if it's compete with lifetime is what he wants to do but basically wants it to be a series that's actually like real mountain bike racing as opposed to you know the kind of mountain bike races they have in the lifetime gp right <clears throat> um are you guys doing any of those uh well everybody has a different definition of technical but the most technical mountain bike race i'll be doing is sea otter yeah i was thinking of doing um What's the Wachita Challenge is like a 60-mile race down here. It takes on Oh, dude, I've heard the, that's really technical. Yeah, man. It's like um, on some of the – there's like – I can't think it's like the Ozark. I don't know. Some tra- Basically, it, it, part of it is on a hiking trail. The first half is like super technical, but um, not doing that this year. A little too, little too mm-hmm. late to be in, in shape for that. So, yeah. Dude, I, w- I was talking to Adam – about this i really wanted them the seventh wild card race to be i wanted it to be on the east coast and i wanted it to be east coast technical mountain biking because that's that's pretty easy to find on the east coast and uh i don't know i think it would have mixed it up a lot adam made a good point that like 
you know, Lifetime doesn't care at all about that, and it pro- would probably hurt participation. But that w- that was what I was hoping for. Next year, it's yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there there was talk about uh, like Oz Trails off road type event coming back to Bentonville, mm. and and I was listening to Payson's podcast because he had Russell on and they had Intel or had heard that that was going to be part of the lifetime series, not necessarily the lifetime grand prix, but it was going to be a lifetime owned event in Benville. Mm. Um, that would be cool. Yeah. I could see that. I mean, I think the folks around big sugar have a good relationship with, uh, with lifetime before I, before they made it a lifetime event. So, um, yeah, so I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm sure they're, you know, they're always trying to get people What's on the, the board down here. I, I never did the Oz Trails race. Was that technical? There were technical sections of it. Well, actually, I never did it. I've just ridden the trails. Adam, can you tell us how the race was? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would say, so it's it's not, techni- like, it's not tec- technical enough that you need a dropper post or anything. Like, there's nothing super gnarly. Um, but it's technical in the sense that, like, you're riding trails really fast that have sharp rocks all over, and they're pretty windy so like i don't know i feel like i feel like any trails where there's some kind of danger to either like exposed rocks or something like can be technical when ridden at speed so it's technical in that way i i would also argue that any trail that's technical enough that you need a mountain bike is technical enough that you need a dropper post <laughs> yeah there's just like, there's like no descents that are long enough though the longest descent's like 20 seconds Dude, there's some there's some flat mountain bike races that I still keep my dropper post on, and every time I go on a, go around a corner, I drop it and then pop it right back up for the straight, and then drop it for the corner, and then you know. Okay, well, someday you'll have to teach me your ways. <laughs> um, all right, next question because we know Scott's not doing any mountain bike racing. Um, this one's from Marcus. He says, "Long time listener, first time caller. A couple weeks ago, I broke my hand fist bumping a tree." while riding a rock garden, so I'm sidelined from the mountain bike for a couple months. Historically, I've not done any structured training, but since I'm not able to do my usual random outdoor rides, I decided to make the most of it and do an eight-week base block on the trainer while my hand is healing. Mm. During this base season, if I have seven hours a week to dedicate for the next eight weeks, would my time best be spent following a traditional Zone 2 plan, or would, I, or would a polarized plan be appropriate and optimal in this situation? And this is probably uh, I mean, a better I question for Matchbox, but whatever. Yeah, I would say that traditional zone two and polarized are could definitely be the same thing. Yeah, like so a, I think what he's I think what he's getting at is like traditional base block, meaning like nothing but zone two. That's the way I interpret it. Yeah. I wouldn't do nothing but zone two. I would do Agreed. mostly I would do mostly zone two. Uh the vast majority of your training I would have be zone two. And I also wouldn't make it polarized. I would make it pyramidal. Uh, and if you're unsure about what the difference is there, I mean, they're very similar, but pyramidal, like if you're, if you're breaking the zones into three different zones, zone one, two, and three, um, meaning that zone one would be endurance zone. And then zone two is like sweet spot tempo and zone three is above threshold. Pyramidal is like, you're spending 80, 80 ish percent of the time zone one, maybe, I don't know, 10 to 15% of the time zone two and then the rest zone three so it's like a little bit more emphasis on the tempo sweet spot than strictly polarized or you could just uh sign up for a consultation with ignition and uh have someone walk you through it there you go if drew is here that's exactly what he would have said (laughs) (laughs) as his official replacement i'll uh keep the spirit of drew here yeah (laughs) cool um i agree with that scott you good yeah scott yeah. All right, Scott, this one's this one's definitely right up your alley. Could you all talk about compliance versus stiffness and efficiency in gravel bikes? <laughs> Is compliance actually a marginal gain slash factor to be considered at the sharp end of races, or is this a marketing term to pander to the masses? No comment. <laughs> um I think that it's something like you shouldn't just completely ignore compliance versus stiffness of the frame. But I think that a lot of people are way overthinking how either compliant or stiff their frame is when the tires make way more of a difference. So for example, if we're talking about compliance for a gravel bike, you know, you could have your frame be marginally more compliant 
Um, or you could just run wider tires at a lower pressure and be faster because of it. And your, your bike would feel more comfortable and it would be faster. And then it's like, you know, how, how much difference did that marginal compliance in your frame make? Probably made some small amount of difference, but that the, the compliance of your tires is making way more of a difference in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know. I don't disagree with that. I, I do think there's some marketing jargon there. Like, you know, you have to evolve the bike in some, like in some way to get people to keep buying them. But yeah, you know, I mean, we're, we're getting at the point where like, we're seeing suspension under the equation, like whether you, you know, whether it's specialized, like little, like, I don't know, whatever their new full suspension bike is called. Um, whether it's like that or actually adding a suspension fork. Like I, I was looking on Canyon's website the other day. They offer a gravel bike now with a, with a front suspension fork. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's the same thing, but uh, with 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 front suspension. So like you can you can buy a drop bar bike with a f- gravel fork on it now. And I don't think any other companies other than Lauf offer that. So I feel like you're kind of well, seeing there are like definitely limit. other there are definitely other bike companies that sell a stock bike with suspension fork. I I think. Oh really? I I could, maybe, yeah. I mean I I haven't bought a bike in a long time, or especially yeah, gravel bikes. I, mean, so I guess I haven't looked. I don't think that now, you know, suspension gravel forks have been used for racing, but they're not usually typically marketed for racing. And I, of course, Fox would make this claim, right? But I think that Fox claims that, you know, if you're riding on rough gravel, having their suspension gravel fork is actually faster than having a rigid fork. Yeah. And I Which, guess that's where I, what I was getting at was like, you're kind of seeing the limits of what can be done with frame compliance while still making it stiff enough to be efficient. So that's why you're seeing things like actual suspension built in mm-hmm. versus just continuing to manipulate the carbon fiber. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'm so I'm not saying that the stiffness and or compliance of the frame should be ignored. You should take that into consideration. But what you should consider more like what you should be more worried about is the getting the proper pressure and width of tire in my opinion yeah so like what you're saying is like you'd rather have a frame that has enough tire clearance to run the tire size that you want than like look at how compliant the actual frame is yeah i mean if i was if it was like between a compliant bike that had only enough clearance for like 38 mil tires and a stiff bike that had clearance for 45s stiff bike with 45s all day no question cool all right question answered boom um okay um okay question for the bros this one comes from ben at the tour of down under ineos were was using 25 millimeter front tires for aero in 28 millimeter rear tires for rolling resistance. Are we finally seeing road racing catch up with mountain bikes use of different front and rear tires and sizes? What about gravel? Mm. Uh, Scott yeah. got, got real interested there because we finally talked about road. <laughs> Scott, do you run different size tires on your road bike? No. <laughs> <laughs> Unless like, um, I mean, if like one's like what, in my what garage... T- what uh <laughs> like what size tires do they have you running on human powered health? Uh we were training on 25s, but okay, what, do you know what you're going to be racing on or you just you haven't gotten that far yet? I haven't gotten that far yet. Will they give you the option? Like will they say like hey, you can run 23, 25, 28 or is it like Definitely everyone's got to run the same tire? No, they'll take our input in. Okay, well that's I good. And like yeah. What kind of chain lube are they using? That's the real question. For training, probably I think just like normal fucking lube. No, no, no. I I don't care about what you're using for training. What are you using for racing? Chain lube. Well, I haven't raced yet. Okay. (laughs) I I highly doubt Scott's going to be the one applying the lube to his race bike. Well, that's what I'm (laughs) saying. Like, do the mechanics know what they're doing? Are they just like putting on freaking finish? Is he just pissing on your chains? That's like the least of my worries. I'm trying to fix my like knee that's like broken. Mm. So have you have you like what's your training volume been like since you've since your knees all jacked up? Uh, well, I did the whole training camp. That was like a lot of training. Which was what? How like much hours? How much was that? Yeah, it was probably like thirty hours in like a ten day camp. It wasn't that much? 
Okay. You didn't like you didn't like oh, add it, it up in training much. peaks and make a Instagram post about <laughs> no. how much training volume did at your no. spirit camp? You think that would make me go faster if I posted it on Instagram? Probably. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the spirit of road racing. <laughs> I mean, if you have a jacked up knee, I would not recommend somebody ride 30 hours in 10 days for sure. Well, that was like it's like not it wasn't that jacked up and I was like hoping that it was going to get better like training yeah. through it like sometimes it it's you can it gets better on it you know like doing you know I was doing all the like PT and stuff but now it's like not getting better so taking a few days off so you're going to take okay good glad man um I totally forgot what the original question was something about tires and how does this guy even know oh, yeah, that? front and rear tire defenders <laughs> How does this guy know that they do that, that they did that? I don't know. Sure I you know there. You know that like people in the cycling media will like go to races and check out what equipment pros are using. See you, Tyler. What are What are the chances that um, one of the mechanics just accidentally put one on the front and one <laughs> on the rear, and then like <laughs> some journalist like came and saw it and then like made a big deal out of it. Like, what if they were just on a training ride and they just threw two tires on? Yeah, you know, like two wheels on the bike, and it was two yeah. different tire widths. And then no, 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 because it, it specifically it. says, and and I don't know, I, I don't know where Ben is getting his his intel from, but it, he says that it was like they 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 met they said that it was the front was for aero and the rear tire was for better rolling resistance. Who said that? <laughs> like are you saying the journalist is just making this up like the journalist saw a 25 on the front and a 28 on the rear and they're like rear is for rolling resistance front is for arrow and they didn't actually ask yeah, but anyone no, but the, the title will be like is it like something with like a question mark is this for rolling resistance is this for arrow like <laughs> like make it yeah making something <laughs> that would i bet you that's what happened i can almost guarantee it you can almost guarantee it. Um, That's hilarious. Like, I don't want to say you're wrong, but they've been doing this for a while, especially on TT bikes where they put a narrower tire in the front and a wider tire in the rear. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. But like I saying, there's a, a pretty good chance that it was just like some random shit like that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, so like I, I I think I think they're a little bit smarter than Scott is giving them credit for. <laughs> Obviously, the wider your tire is, the less aerodynamic it is, and aerodynamics matters more for the front wheel than it does for the rear wheel. Therefore, it would make sense that you would want the more aerodynamic option in the front and the tire that has the better rolling resistance in the rear, which would be the twenty eight, not the twenty five. Contrary to popular belief, dude, hold on, wait. All right, keep talking. I, I I'm pulling up the the, the article. Okay. <laughs> um, and I've I've actually done this before on a gravel bike before, where I've had a larger tire in the rear than I had in the front, and it was for that specific reason. It was because it was more aerodynamic to have the narrower tire in the front and the wider and also haven't we not answered this question on bonk bros before didn't somebody ask us like if we've got two different tires like is it better yeah, to put the wider one on the front or the rear yeah we feel like yeah, we've talked definitely about talked about this no but that wasn't that was based on someone had like different size frame clearance front and rear <sighs> yeah yeah bonk bros is basically turning into like the tire bros podcast do you find the article yet? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't. It's not in here. I, I thought I saw something that I thought I was gonna say, that they were gonna say that they were using two different tire brands, even. But it, mm. that's not the case. Yeah, no, there's no mention of this whatsoever in this article that I'm reading. Okay, um, I think it makes sense. If I was a road racer, I would probably do just that. I would run a wider tire in the rear and a smaller tire in the front. All right, Scott, that's your next homework assignment. You got to find your mechanic and demand different size tires. Yeah, I mean, what you said makes a little bit of sense, but we're talking about world tour level mechanics. Like, we're not talking about the mechanics on human powered health. You know what I mean? I mean, all the mechanics. Probably like like putting finish line on your chain before. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm just saying, dude, if you like, if they bust out the finish line chain lube and uh, you've got a race, then you, I mean, you know how good a mechanic they are. And the answer is not good at all. 
Okay, <clears throat> let's move on. So, Scott, this one is for you. It's not really a question, I guess. Well, sort of. There is a question in here at the end. Um, okay, this one's from Evan from Norway. He says, just want to send an email to say thanks for a great pod. Enjoy listening to your banter. If Scott gets to talk to any of the human health riders, he's once he's over in Europe, I hope he gets to talk to Embrit from Norway. Curious to hear him talk about his first year as a pro, Embrit that is, but also Scott's. Where will he be based? What does your race calendar look like? How are you training, etc.? Of you course, know, I fucking talk to my teammates. What does this guy think? It. <laughs> <laughs> I got a cup of coffee. With you know, I think Brent. he meant like bring him on the podcast. No, I don't think he meant bring him on. I mean, that we you could. He should get a chance. Oh, did he not? Talk. Just he just meant like talk to Embrit. Yeah, I just hope he gets to talk to him. Like I don't know. Are you like just like I think he means like get to know him or something. Like mm. yeah, I got to know him. Yeah, become he's, friends he's with him. Chill. Yeah, he's a chiller. Sick. Who's more chill? Are you more chill or is he more chill? Dude, he's probably more chill. I'm not gonna lie. Really? Nice. Okay. Does he care about like using two different size tires on for a race? Maybe. Like if you were to ask him, like if you were to ask him, like, hey, like, do you care if we put like a twenty eight mil on the back and a twenty five mil on the front? Would he freak out or would he just be like, ah, it's whatever? No. He'd probably he'd probably be fine with that. Okay. <laughs> Cool. Um, okay, let's see. So this one, sorry for everyone who sent a question in since or before this guy, but this one, this guy, Michael, put in the head, the, the email title that it was an urgent question. So I feel like we got to answer it. Okay. Uh, he says, I just won my debut short track race in the beginner category for my age group by almost three minutes. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, like I also blew out my shock at the start. <clears throat> <laughs> well, I think that's what he's getting at here. Just wait. Um, I also blew up my shock at the start. No clue. Please don't ask um, what happened. So I was pedal striking constantly and would have been even faster otherwise. Based on lap times, however, I would have placed ninth out of 12 in the intermediate category and been in reasonable danger of being lapped. Would I be a dick to stay in the beginner category and race in the leader's jersey or should I move up and never podium again? Um, additional info, if desired local race series, he's beginner equals. You've never raced before four more races are left in the series. He's never raced at all. And his Watts per kilogram is weak at three Watts per kilogram on his best day. Uh, love well, is he going to keep the blown out shock or is he going to fix the shock? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's a good question. That is a good question. Cause I think if he keeps uh, the blown out, yeah, move up to the intermediate category, man. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would, even if you never race your bike again, you you have to fix your your shock. Mountain biking with a blown out shock is miserable. You mean even if he never races his bike again? Yeah. Okay. Well, we're assuming that he's going to fix his shock. Like, I don't, I don't okay. think he's <laughs> do the next race with a blown out <laughs> shock. Um. Yeah. I mean, dude, if you are if you're truly a beginner, you're gonna progress a lot. Like, you haven't hit your peak yet, man. You're pretty far from your peak, it sounds like to me. So just because you move up to intermediate doesn't mean you're never going to get podium for the rest of, life, rest of your life. Like, it might take a little bit of work, but you're probably going to get podium in, like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you get podium next year. You know what I mean? Um, the gains yeah, come or even, quick when Maybe even in one of the next, he's got four races left in the series. Sure, sure, yeah. Dude, so, I mean, he won a short track race by three minutes. Yeah, with a blown-out shock. <laughs> Yeah, a hundred percent. Don't even. Uh, this is this is an easy question. Hundred yeah, percent. Move up. Don't be a dick. Um. Also, I'm kind of surprised that they have a leader's jersey for the beginner category because because that seems like de incentivizing people to to like mm. upgrade. Yeah, dude, it's not gravel, man. Like gravel, obviously that would make sense. Everybody's got to right. have a jersey, but like, come on, right. four track mountain biking. Um. Okay. Let's see. We'll do like one more. We've been we've been going for a while already. Uh, do you think USAC is going to? Oh, this was from Jacob. Do you think USAC is going to piggyback on an existing event to host the first Gravel Nationals, or will they host their own event? When and where, and how are riders going to qualify for Gravel Worlds? That seems like a different question. Uh, I have been curious about this because I I'm interested in doing the USAC gravel national championship, but it's just, obviously it's, 
they haven't announced it yet. So it's just going to be depend on how it fits into the schedule, if it fits into the schedule. Right. So, I mean, the schedule's already packed as it is. Um, I don't think they would piggyback off an existing race just because I don't, I don't know if race promoters would be that into it. I mean, like gravel, gravel racers kind of hate USAC. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And also, I, I don't know. I feel like, no, I feel like they would just have their own race and it, it wouldn't be, it would be a race that moves. It's just like the regular nationals. It would move around every two years. Scott, if they did it in Knoxville, in, in Knoxville, what about week, Maryland? In the third week of July, would you do it? Why Knoxville? Because that's where Pronats is. No. No. You like if, it was, if it was the week after Pronats, do you think you would do it? No. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think any, yeah, so, so you don't think any of the road teams would, would, do, would do it? Uh, I bet you they would. I mean, those are two different questions. Fun. Whether I would do it or another team would do it? Yeah, I mean, road teams are already doing non-USAC gravel races, so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Like, it seemed like the entire Best Buddies team came out for BWR Asheville last year. Yeah. Well, USAC, there's your there's your answer. Do it in Knoxville the week after Pronets. Why? So Scott won't show up? <laughs> yep. They should um, have it on the East Coast, so at the very least, there's one major race on my calendar that's on the East Coast. What about BWR Asheville? I mean, I'll do that one, but I don't even I don't even consider that one like a major race for me at this point because it's not part of the lifetime series and it's a week after Unbound. So I'm just going to be smoked again like I was last year. (laughs) Like, dude, last year, like literally on the starting line, I was like, I can't believe I have to race. Like, I never feel like that before a race. Usually I'm stoked to race. Terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, but just like. Have it, dude. Waking up the morning of a race with sore legs is is the worst, man. If it's not a stage race, because if it's a stage race, it's expected and everybody's going through that. But like, I don't know. Um, I'll probably do it just because it's literally thirty minutes down the road. But it's, you know, it's not a priority race for me. And there's no other ones on the East Coast. Mm, I mean, there's no, there's no lifetime races on the East Coast, and there's no other like. I mean, big is relative, but there's no like big gravel races on the East Coast, in my opinion. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I've, I don't think I've ever really raced on the East Coast. Yeah, I'm trying to think, trying to think of what I've what I've gone to over there. Not much. All right, should we do one more question then wrap it up? One more. Okay. I thought you said yeah, that this was the last one. Well, Dylan wants one more. All right, Dude, we've got like forty to get through eventually. So, okay. Uh. Scott's going to love this one. Oh, great. Uh, the, the email title is Overthinking It. This one comes from Mark. Uh, great pod, my new well, I'll, favorite. I'll just answer it before you start. A, yes. <laughs> um, the answer is yes, he's overthinking it. Yeah. So, Lifetime Unbound and Leadville Trail 100, no arrow bars and staggered start for the pros. Mm-hmm. Discuss. Is that a question? Yeah, he wants to know if they're overthinking it. They as in I didn't, the, I didn't I didn't know that that Leadville banned aero bars now. They as in the race promoters are overthinking it? Yeah. Absolutely. 100% they're overthinking it. Yeah. Like Scott said they, yes too. We already I mean we already we already went into the aero bar thing the other the other day but like yeah, dude, they're not banning aero and especially at Leadville. Give me a break, dude. They're not banning aero bars because it's a safety concern at Leadville. They're banning them because, like, the pro men whined about it long enough and hard enough, and finally they caved. Dude, yeah, I mean, are we going to have to have, like, separate course records now? Like, if pre-Aerobar ban and post-Aerobar ban? Yeah, dude, they just really don't want those course records to be broken, man. It's like, uh, it's really It's like the hour record. Like, you know how they, like, change the uh, position rules on the hour record? Yep. Like I, I think that Keegan is strong enough that he can do it. I mean, he didn't even have arrow bars this past. The question is, can you do what Keegan did? And can you run bar ends on the inside of your bar? How could they outlaw that? Unless they also say no bar ends, but then you, you can, can have, say they're not even bar ends. They're bar middles. Yeah. But if it's on the bar, inside of your bar middles, <laughs> not a bar end. It's not on the end of the bar. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, 
So I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, like, so I think Keegan is still strong enough that he can do it. I mean, he almost did it last year without arrow bars. So, you know, give him another year. And I think that he, he can do it, but it's like, why are you trying to make it harder to break the course record? It's so exciting when a course record gets broken. I don't understand. Yep. Okay. Well, I'm going to agree just so we can end it there. Cool. All right. Scott, are you going to come on more often or is this just like a once in a blue moon kind of thing? Dude, I come on whenever I can. I know, but now that you're in Europe. Oh, whenever I can. Okay. Mm. When I'm out of a race. So sick. So, so we're back to, back to usual. All right. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. All right. Sick. We'll see you guys. See ya. See ya.